You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. elders here and I'll be bringing today's um, today's message so hope you had a wonderful Christmas happy new year it's right around the right around the corner and so all all year this year we've been going through our all-in series and we've gone through different blocks and today we're doing all in continuing we're doing experiencing Jesus that has hit a couple of different items, and today we're experiencing Jesus as the great shepherd. Now, from the beginning, Christians have been called sheep. Now, if there are sheep, there must be a shepherd. If there is a shepherd, there must be a, sh- there must be a sheep. There must be a flock. There's got to be something that is governed and watched over and taken care of. It wasn't necessarily a compliment that was ever granted to Christians from the beginning. If we look at sheep, typically they're all born white. They're little bitty fluffy things. Within hours, they're dirty. They smell bad. If you have ever been close to a sheep, all of their wool picks up everything as they walk and through the, through the fields grazing. They're not the smartest domesticated animal on the farm. They typically don't take care of them and can't take care of themselves. They're wanderers and they just kind of go wherever. They're afraid of everything, literally, including running water. So a lot of times the shepherd will have to cut a little stream area for the sheep to drink. They're extremely destructive. When sheep feed and they graze, they pull what they eat up from the roots. Most grazing animals just kind of take the tops off. So you can cattle, we move them from pasture to, from pasture, to pasture, and you can move them back and forth to the same ones after that one recovers. Sheep, they can't do that. They literally have to just keep moving because they destroy where they've been. Any of that kind of sound familiar? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good, when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what the human race has done. It wasn't a compliment. It wasn't good. Like I said, if there are sheep, there must be a shepherd. And typically, when you think of sheep, you think of a shepherd. But there's also a, a person that's called a sheep herder. And you don't mix up the two. You see, the sheep herder, it's a J-O-B for them. They show up in the morning, clock in, do their time, help the sheep herder out, go home at the end of the day. The shepherd, on the other hand, could be hired by the person that actually owns the sheep. Or, occasionally, the shepherd is the actual owner. But see, he cares for the sheep. He knows the sheep. 
He knows them by their characteristics because sheep will tend to make friends with other sheep and they form little groups within the herd. We don't do that, do we? So he knows them. He recognizes them by their spots, by their voices, by their characteristics, who they hang out with. Now, I spent some time in Spain when my dad was in the military, and sheep herding was not a big thing there, but there were sheep and there were herders, and it was not uncommon for us to have to stop on the road as the shepherd was leading the sheep across the street. And you could, and we never got close enough, but it was said that, you know, the sheep herder, as he was leading them, would be carrying a bell, or he would be singing, or, you know, saying something, and the sheep would follow him. You see, you drive cattle, and most of the other herding animals, you drive them places. A sheep follows. You can't drive a sheep. Because, like I said, they wander, they scatter. But you drive the other animals. So you could, you could see them, you could hear them. And like I said, the sheep would follow. Jesus told Peter to feed his sheep. Shepherds were the first that appeared at Jesus' birth. And Abel was the first recorded actual shepherd. Now our primary verse today is going to be Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. And we'll have it up on the board. It says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I don't think we need to go any farther than the famous parable of the lost sheep, which is Matthew 18. 12 through 14. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, would he not leave the 99 on the hill and go and look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Now, what was special about that one sheep? Did the average passerby to anybody other than the owner and the shepherd? Probably nothing. For it was just one of a hundred. It was one one one-hundredth of the flock. How did he even know that one was wandered off? How that one was missing? Like I said, the shepherd knows the flock. I'm impressed that he knew that one out of a hundred was, was missing, was gone. But yet he, wandered, he, he goes and he finds the one. And like I said, it's one out of a hundred. Do you, me, any other passerby, no big deal, why, do, why does he care? But to keep it real, don't we all have stuff like that? You know, from, inf- from infancy... Babies have pacifiers, and I've heard that sometimes you get one, and that's the pacifier. 
you can buy the exact same one and try to give it to them, and they don't want it. They want that one. They have four or five. I said, if I, if I get personal, I carry three things in my pocket. Typical wallet. Nothing fabulous there. I have a little James Avery pocket cross. I lost the first one. I won't say I lost it. I misplaced it, and I haven't found it yet. <laughs> but I went and bought another one. My parents gave it to me. I was either eight. It was I was either eighteen or high school graduation, one of the two. But I carry that. And then, famous pocket knife. These three these three items mean absolutely nothing to you guys. You guys don't un understand any of that. But see, this pocket knife, it used to be orange. It's still, you can still tell it's orange. I was, I don't know, 14 or 15, and my friend's parent, my friend's mother drove us up to Dawson's, a sporting good place. I think he bought a black one, and I bought, I bought an orange one. This thing's literally been in my pocket since I was 14 or 15 almost every day. This is a magical pocket knife. It's been to concerts. It's been on airplanes. It's been in places knives aren't allowed to go anymore. But see, when I stick my hand in my pocket, if I don't feel those three things, I panic a bit for whatever reason. Like I said, I've had this since I was 14 or 15. The other thing, you know, from when I was 18 or a high school graduation. And if we keep it real, all of you guys have things similar to that. You've got, you've got something that nobody else understands, nobody else really cares about other than they say, well, that's kind of cool, but I don't get it. But see, the, the knife sits right here, and if it's not right there, I have to adjust stuff in my, in my pocket. It sits in a, in, a, in a specific spot, just to the left of my wallet, and then the cross kind of sits behind it. When I reach in there, if I don't feel all three of those, like I said, I panic just a little bit. The cross I can continue to replace. The knife, they don't make it anymore. And I've got a whole lot of other knives, but not this one. You know, and God in the same way. He's, you know, he tells us when the one wanders off, he goes and, goes and finds it. That's all great, but that was 2,000 years ago. How is he our shepherd today? What difference does that make? If we look at John 10, verses 14 through 16, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as, as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall, and they shall be one shepherd and one flock. So he laid down his life for the sheep, but that's not really the impressive part. The shepherds occasionally would die defending the sheep as they were being attacked by wolves, lions, whatever the, the predator was. It happened. It was part of the job, just something that happened. 
But see, they were dead. They didn't come back. The sheep wandered off. If we go back to, back to our, main, our main verse, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. See, he was, he was born again. He was brought back to life. And he lives again. He lives still. He lives today. And what does he continue to do? Well, he tells us. He equips us with everything we need. And I'll put need in quotations. To do his will. That's not what we want. Or... He doesn't give us what we need to be rich and famous and powerful and whatever it is our earthly desires and fantasies are. That may happen. There are plenty of Christians that are rich and famous, but that's what they've been called to do, and that's their platform. It doesn't happen for everybody, but it happens. But he gives us what we need to do his will, which is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. As we continue to do what God calls us to do, he continues to bless us. He gives us what we need, again, to do his will, to prosper in his glory. Well, how do we do that? Well, farther on in John, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, for my Father who, is, for my Father who has given them to me is greater than I, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. So see, we listen, we hear him. We seek counsel, we ask questions to make sure that whatever it is, that crazy thought that's in our head, that stirring in our heart, isn't just last night's pizza. So we ask questions, we seek counsel, we pray about it, we understand. Again, and we listen, and we follow. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, he said, he tends, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Again, he leads. See, God doesn't push us. He doesn't prod us. When we were doing cattle drives and moving cattle from one area on the ranch to the other and back and forth, we had cattle prods, little poles would kind of shock the cattle just to, to get them to move. He doesn't do any of that. He speaks, we hear, we follow. We follow what he's asked us to do. We seek, like I said, we seek counsel. We, get, we continue to grow, move, guide. And as, as we go, we learn more. See, when Christ laid down his life for the one sheep and God brought him back, two weeks ago we talked about the eternal 
um, the eternal covenant. Well, God signed, sealed, and delivered that. Jesus signed, sealed, and delivered that. Well, and God recognized that offering. God recognized that sacrifice of Jesus. He brought him back to life. He lives again today. He continues to live. That is how he's our shepherd today, tomorrow, and forever. And if we look at Jesus, is it not all that far-fetched or strange? This last slide, I don't know when I got it or where I got it, but somebody sent it to me. But it's a manger with the shadow of a cross. Is it not surprising that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of us all, the great I am, the son that was born to a carpenter, walked this earth, laid in a manger, took the lowly job of a shepherd, but he was the greatest shepherd. And if being called sheep was not a compliment, I will take being shepherded by the greatest shepherd any day.